All right, well, welcome Elevation Church. It's so good to see you guys, whether you are tuning in um, at your couch, at your house, wherever you are today, we just want to welcome you. We're so glad that you're with us. Uh, we just believe that God has a word for each one of us as we open ourselves up to that possibility. Uh, you may or may not know this about our church, but one of our values is to make a difference. We, we really do desire to make a difference locally, nationally, internationally. And, and this week we had a great opportunity to be able to just serve in our community locally. Uh, we hosted our first drive-through school supply uh, thing. I, I don't even know how to even describe it, but it was, it was one of those things where people People from the community that go to these various schools would drive through and they would get a pencil box full of all kinds of school supplies. And I just want you to know as a church, um, you are a part of that. And so when you give and when you support the things that are happening around here, we're able to do those kinds of things. Matter of fact, we gave over three, matter of fact, it was, it was 300 school supply boxes. And then uh, I was told that we're also giving a thousand water bottles uh, to three different elementary schools, which is just amazing. I'm just so excited about what we're able to do as we're able to partner with, with local places in our community as we try to make a difference. And so hopefully you're excited about that as well. Now, I do have a word for us this morning. I have been kind of contemplating some things, and, and one of the things that's been running around my brain is, is the need for us to simply just have a moment where we start to think about some things that are really important that may have gotten lost recently. Now, if you spent much time with me, uh, you probably would know at some point in the relationship, I'm going to ask the question, how is your soul? Right. And, and everybody loves it when the preacher, you know, just peers deep into their their eyes and says, how is your soul? And not just how is your soul, but how is your soul really? Right. And that's when everybody starts to squirm and get uncomfortable. But but I wonder, how are you doing? How are you doing really right now? One of the things I've noticed is that people are struggling in a variety of areas uh, and, and, and truthfully, there's probably good reason. I mean, we've got all kinds of challenges that are around us and things that we're facing, things that we've never faced before. And, and our, our lives are, are just kind of like in disorder in some ways. We're, we're experiencing uh, various kinds of disruption that's creating this uh, turmoil in us. And, and so I just ask the question, how are you doing really? How are you doing really? Let that just sit on you for a second. Because I actually think that's a very important question. Because as a believer in Jesus Christ or someone that maybe is interested in faith, one of the things that you have to recognize is that it is part of your job to every now and again, matter of fact, the Bible would say at least weekly, take your temperature to, to find out how you're really doing. To kind of lay yourself before God and say, God, what's going on inside me? What's going on inside my heart right now? Can you, can you speak to me? And, and, and so, so what I want you to just simply think about for a moment is how are you doing really? Now, I've found that a lot of times when I ask that question, people will say, okay, um, yeah, that's a great question, Pastor. And, and, and you maybe kind of st stay at the surface level. Or maybe you even give me a little bit. Or, or maybe you answer just, just for a moment. But then you go home and you say, you know, that preacher, he, he's really meddling. 
You know, he, he's, he's asking questions that, that I don't really want to answer. Matter of fact, you might as go, go as far as to say, you know what, it's none of his darn business. Why is he asking me about these things? I mean, pastor, stay in your lane, man. You're, you're supposed to talk to me about faith and, and spirituality. I mean, don't, don't go all into these other places. See, here's the problem with that. Is that all those other places, all those other places that sometimes I like to dabble, are just indicators of what may be going on deeper. Because, see, I believe that the foundation of your life is faith. I believe the foundation of your life is Jesus. And so it's there that we have to start and we have to ask those questions but we also have to recognize that if that's messed up, then that means that every other aspect of our life is messed up too. And God is not interested in compartmentalized lives. He's interested in us being whole, complete, and perfect is what the Bible says. And so we have to recognize that when I ask these questions, it's really important. So when you're thinking, it's none of your darn business. Uh, uh, it's none of your darn business what I do with my body, Pastor. It's none of your darn business what I do with my money, pastor. <laughs> it's none of, my darn, none of your darn business what I do with my relationships, pastor. Matter of fact, it's none of your darn business how I feel. They're my feelings, pastor. <laughs> now, I'm sure you've never said any of those things and had any of those thoughts. But, but over the next, uh, just this week and next week, I want to kind of dig a little deeper. So if you're looking for um, comfort, you've come to the wrong place. Because I want to dig a little deeper. I want to go a little deeper. Because I think it's there that we find what's really going on. And so, so the first thing I want to ask you is how are you doing really? How are you doing really with your health? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Because I, I don't know about you, but during COVID right now, I, I don't really want anybody to ask me about my health. Uh, I, I, I have to be honest, I've struggled physically. I've struggled. Maybe you've struggled as well. I, I know that I've put on a few pounds. You know, I'm not going to tell you how many, but, but I, I've put on a few. And, and, and matter of fact, I have some preacher friends and I know some other people in the church, man. They're just, they're, they're just absolutely killing it right now. In the area of health and their body and their physical, uh, you know, body. And it's just like, they're just, I mean, I, I, it even drives me crazy sometimes. Like, I, I see their, their, their tweet or something, you know, and they're like, look at me. I lost 26 pounds or I lost 300 pounds. Look at me. And I'm just like, oh, you're, you're, really, you're, really, you're really making me feel bad about myself. I don't know if you can relate to that. But, 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 but one of the things that, that the Lord has been just kind of working on me about is that in this season, I can't just give myself over to the enemy in this area of my life. I have to really begin to think about what it looks like for me to be healthy, not just spiritually, but also physically. So how's your body? How are, how, how's your body? And then I'll say another one is, how are your relationships? Because, see, I think both of those are really important. But just, I just want to read something to you out of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 12 through 20. Listen, listen to some of these words. This is Paul writing, and he's writing to the Corinthian church. And 
And truthfully, some people have talked about that this church was really jacked up. That's just kind of how people have referred to it. They had all kinds of issues, okay? But Paul was writing to them some very specific things because they were struggling with various things. And so, so let me read a few of these things to you. So starting in verse 12, Paul writes, he says, You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. Wouldn't you say that's true? Like, I mean, if you, if you said, well, the Bible says I can do just about anything. He says, well, that may be true, but that doesn't mean it's good for you. And so he goes on. He says, and even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. In other words, I can't have anything else control me but God. And I'll tell you, I, I found that sometimes I let other things get in the way of my relationship with God, or even my primary relationships that I care so much about. And so, so he goes on to say, specifically in verse 13, you say food was made for the stomach, and the stomach was made for food, which, which is logical, it makes sense. He says, this is true, though someday God will do away with them both, with it, which is a reference to the resurrection and the second coming of Jesus. He goes on, he says, but you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. You're like, wait a second, you were just talking about food. Now you just, now you just switched over to sexual immorality. What's, <laughs> what just happened? Well, again, there's a context here. See, Paul is writing to a church that was struggling with food and things sacrificed to idols. He also was struggling with a community that on a regular basis saw themselves go to temple prostitutes as a part of their religion. And so he's saying, you know your body was intended for God. And so he, he's kind of helping us see and helping this particular church see that the body really does matter. Because watch what he says next. He says this, they were made for the Lord. Did you know that your body was made for the Lord? I, I find that sometimes today people use their bodies in this way that is not at all uh, designed to honor the Lord. I even think sometimes we think it's my body. I can do what I want. See, here's the problem, though. That's not what the Scripture says. The, the Scripture says that they were made for the Lord. So, so make, make sure you note that, is that your body was made for the Lord. And then here's the second point he makes and that the Lord cares about your body. Like, it's not just something he, no, no, he cares about it. He cares about how you treat it, because ultimately it belongs to him. And I'm just telling you, if God gave you a shiny little stone and said, keep this and make sure you keep it well, you probably would. But here's the thing, he said that about your body. And God will raise us up from the dead by his power, just as he raised the Lord from the dead. Again, another reference to the resurrection. And he's talking to this church and he's helping them see. And he goes on in verse 15. He says, don't you realize that your bodies are actually parts of Christ? Whoa. That's, that, that's, that's kind of hard to swallow sometimes. Is that I'm actually a part of Christ. He goes on. He says, should a man take his body, which is a part of Christ, and join it to a prostitute? Never, because again, remember, this was the temple prostitution. He says, never. 
And don't you realize if a man joins himself to a prostitute, he becomes one body with her? Now here, here's important. I don't think the Bible is picking on prostitutes as somehow they're worse than other people. They're not. I think what the Bible is trying to get us to see is that when we use our body for anything other than to honor and glorify God, we have a problem. See, for the scripture says, the two are united into one. We say that all the time when it comes to marriage. But the same is happening when we join ourselves with things that aren't honoring to God. Verse 17, but, but the person who joins, the person who is joined to the Lord is one with him. In other words, we become one with Christ when we enter into that relationship with Christ. And so you can't go anywhere in this world. You can't do anything without Jesus being with you. Get that. Isn't that powerful to think about? And then he goes off and says, run! <laughs> run from sexual sin. Don't, don't just be casual about it. Run from it. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. And so he does draw a distinction between sexual sin and other sins because he says it affects your body in a different way. And we know that to be true. We've read the, the data. We've read the reports. We've known people that have had that affect them. And so he's just simply saying something that we know. He's drawing a distinction, though. He says, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. And then he says in verse 19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and was given to you by God? Don't you realize it? Can't, he's like, come on, can't you see this? You do not belong to yourself. Somebody needs to hear that today. You do not belong to yourself. You're a son or daughter of God. And therefore, you belong to him. You are his possession. For God bought you. God bought you with a high price. You know what that high price was? That was his son, Jesus Christ. That God bought you. And I, I'm just so glad that he did. <laughs> and then he says this. So you must honor God with your body. Oh, I don't know about you, but that is a tough passage of Scripture to read because it challenges us on so many levels. It challenges us on our physical level, on our spiritual level, on our thought life, on our relationships, on our purity. I mean, I mean, Paul is not holding back any punches. And why is that? Because he's looking at a church, he's looking at a culture that's not getting it right do you think at all our culture might be able to relate a little bit? And perhaps this word is good for us, even though it stings a little bit. And so see, food was made for the body. But see, eating is not a sin. But he absolutely draws a distinction and says that sexual immorality is. See, our bodies were made for the Lord. Our bodies shouldn't be used for sexual immorality. Our bodies should be used for the glory of God. We are the temple of the Lord. And so when I think about putting 26 hamburgers in my mouth, I have to recognize 
that this is the temple of the Lord. When I think about drinking too many Dr. Peppers, Lord help me. I have to remember that this is still the temple of the Lord. Whether I'm in COVID or not, I'm called to honor my body because it's the Lord's. And I, I just wish I could hear you all on the other side of the camera saying, Amen, Pastor. That is the best preaching I have ever heard. But I suspect some of you have probably even turned me off at this point. Because this isn't easy. It's not easy. And so we have to look at our physical health. We can't make excuses anymore. We can't just kind of struggle in silence and be like, yeah, you know, I'm a, I, you know I'll get to it next week. See, see, I don't know about you. I've, I've struggled to go to the gym. Because, I, I mean, the gym, come on, people. Like, I just think about people running and being like, ah, ah, and there's spit flying everywhere. And I can just see, like, COVID, like, flying around, trying to get me. And there's this part of me that's like, I don't want to go to the gym. And now, could I go to the gym and be safe? Probably. But there is this part of me that I, I'm, it's easy for me to talk myself out of it, isn't it? But I could just stay at home. I could do some push-ups, some sit-ups. I could eat some broccoli. But I choose not to sometimes. See, we can't blame it on COVID. We can still take care of our bodies even when we're quarantined. See, uh, maybe we just need to stop watching so much TV. I mean, watching TV is nice, but maybe we need to stop that. You know, I know, I know, I know you like chocolate, but you, maybe you should only eat one piece of chocolate and not the whole pack. See what I'm getting at, guys? We have to work on our physical health. We also have to recognize that during this season, we have to work extra hard on our relationships. And so I just ask you this. How's your relational intimacy with those that are most important to you? Are you spending more time uh, disengaged or more time engaged with the people that are most important to you. If you're married with your spouse and your, maybe even your kids, if you're single with, with some of your closest friends or some of your family, or maybe even a girlfriend or a boyfriend, are you spending those, that time cultivating good intimacy? Not sexual immorality, but good intimacy. Intimacy that is based on trust and honesty and loyalty and honor. See, see, those are the kinds of things that we need to be working on right now. How's your intimacy in your marriage? How's your intimacy in your friendships? And then here's the third one I'll give to you as we look at this section of body and relationships. The third is relational purity. How's your relational purity? Let me ask you it this way. Are you doing anything are you doing anything that would soil the relationship that you currently have or any future relationships that you want to have? And see, here's the thing you've got to see. Now is the time to get serious. Now is the time to, 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 to look at this challenge in the face and say, you know what? I'm no longer going to be walking through life on my heels. I am going to face it head on because I have the same power of, the, uh, of Jesus living in me. 
that raised him from the dead. See, I, I have what I need to face down the challenges that are in front of me. I, I found that sometimes during this season, I, I, I've been taking punches, you know, and I've been a little bit on my heels a little bit. But I've got I've to say, you know, no, 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 I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to begin to focus. I'm going to begin to pray. I'm going to begin to seek the Lord in this area of my life and make sure that I'm honoring God with my body, honoring God in my relationships, because see, these things matter. So how are you doing, really? How are you doing, really? Now, just for a few minutes, I want to talk about one other area. Uh, uh, one other area that, that is also an area that many times people say, matter of fact, I'd say it's probably even higher than the body. This is one of the areas that most people say, it's none of your darn business, pastor. Stay in your lane. And that's our finances. See, I, I know that even I say that, it's hard. But I want to read something to you that, that I think is so powerful for us to see as we check our gauges, as we look at how things really are. The Bible says that each one of us must decide in our heart how much to give. You don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Watch this. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Now, now listen to that for a second. Now what does that have to do with my finances? See, it has everything to do with your finances. It means that before COVID, before COVID, before even maybe you had some challenges in your employment, verse 7 says, you must decide in your heart. See, see what happens sometimes is that we decide in our heart before the challenges come, and then when the challenges come, we undecide. And let me just say this to you. I understand that you're going through hard times, but the hard times that we face never give us a reason or excuse to dishonor God. And I know that that's such a hard teaching. Now, I'm not saying that you've lost your job and you have no income. Well, that makes sense. You can't give anything. Financial. But can't you give your time? Can't you give your talents? Can't you serve? Can't you, can't you do something other than focus on what you don't have? Can't you see that the Lord has blessed you in so many ways, even when you don't have something that you really want? See, God's faithfulness is not contingent on what you don't have or what you don't get. It's consistent because of who he is, not because of what he does. And I think that's such an important piece is that they decided, you need to decide whether you're here or there, you decide what you're going to give, what you're going to do. And so you can decide to give money. You can decide to give your time. You can decide to give your talents. You can decide to give your testimony to somebody at the grocery store. You can decide to do these kinds of things. And just because you don't have one of them doesn't mean you can't apply the other four. See, God has always given us options to honor him in this area of our life. And so I encourage you, sow as much as you can in the areas that you can. Just spread as much darn seed as you possibly can in every area that you can. In Jesus' name, come on. Because you will begin to see a harvest. The Bible promises you'll see a harvest in these ways. 
A couple of things I'll say as I get ready to close. Number one is that God owns it all. Did you know that? Everything, God owns it. So everything that you have, he owns it. Everything that's in your body, in your mind, in your heart, he owns it. You're like, what, he owns it? Yes, he owns it. It's his. And you, my friend, all you are is a manager of God's resources. That's it. And I'll show you in the Bible, if you don't believe me, Deuteronomy 10, 14 says this. Look, the highest heaven and the earth and everything in it belongs to who? The Lord. Did you see it? Everything. I think it said that, right? Let me see, look. Yeah. And, you know, I looked at that, that Hebrew word. And you know what it means? Everything. Like all of it. It all belongs to God. And then we are managers. Look at this in 1 Corinthians 4.2. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. See, God has put you in charge to manage your body, to manage your heart, to manage your relationships, to manage your finances, to manage all of these things. He's put you in charge and you must do it as a faithful manager, a faithful servant of God. 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each one of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you see that? So he's not just talking about money. He's talking about gifts that you've been receiving. You see, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the Bible says that you've received spiritual gifts. You may not even know what they are, but you have them. And he says, make sure you use them well to serve other people. See, we can do that, can't we? We can do those kinds of things. And so I want to read just a section of 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10, and then I'll be close to closing. Listen to this. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. Now, who, who, provide, who provides it? God. So God is the one that provides the seed. God is the one that, that, that provides the bread to eat. Did you see that? So he's the provider. Say it with me. God is the provider. God is the provider. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of righteousness or generosity in you. So, so, so God is the provider. And then look at this. Giving is based on provision. Did you get it? Giving is based on provision. Giving is based on what God has provided. God does not expect you to give from nothing. Come on. Are you getting this? God does not expect you to give from nothing because he's already provided you something. And there are things you have to give. Some of those things are financial. Some of those things are just in your talents or your spiritual gifts. Some of those things are just in your time. You can pick up the phone and call somebody and pray for them. Come on, you can do those things. You don't have to be holed up in your house with the, with the curtains drawn, living in the dark. You don't have to do that anymore. You can get up and begin to use your gifts because God has provided you with the gifts that you need. God has given you everything you need. He is the great provider. And from that pool of provision, you can serve the world. You can help people. And you know what's going to happen? That depression that's all over you right now is going to leave in Jesus' name. That anxiety and that worry and that fear, it's all going to start to leave as you begin to apply what God has provided. 
The provision of the Lord is upon all of his people. The Bible promises it. We do not function from a place of depletion. Matter of fact, your bank account might be empty, but you are not empty. Because God has provided and he is putting things in you to be used for his kingdom. Now look, I can preach as hard as I possibly can on this issue. But ultimately, it's a choice that you have to make. And in the face of COVID, in the face of what, I don't know, 18 million people unemployed today. It's, it's hard. You look at that and you think, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can do it. But I'll say this, and I can only give you my testimony. I mean, this is my personal testimony. That God has never left me or forsaken me. When I've been in the lowest places of my life, God has always been there. And he has always provided. I've had what I needed, and I guarantee you the same thing. If you will trust him and honor him, he will do what he says. He is not a liar. He can be trusted. And so in the notes, I provided some tips and tricks for you to think about, especially if you're in a situation where maybe you've lost your job. Here's just a few. I'll rattle them off for you. Make God first. Make a budget or redo your budget. Update your resume. Take a temporary job to make ends meet. Network with everyone you can. File for unemployment if you can. Get state assistance if you can. Ask your home church for, for some benevolence if you need it. Pray a lot. Switch careers. Go back to school. Learn a new trade. There's all kinds of things that you can be doing. God has a plan for you. And I've been learning this. Uh, it's actually an army idea, I think. It's something they teach their soldiers. Is that if you ever find yourself in a place where you don't know what to do, just do something. And when you do, what'll happen is it'll start to unlock ideas. It'll start to unlock creative solutions to problems. And so I just encourage you, if you feel stuck today, just start doing a few of these and watch what God will do. He will do some amazing things if you'll just take a step of faith. Trust him today. Because listen to what the Bible says here. As I, in the second part of verse 10 that we just read, in the same way, he will provide, he will provide an increase, listen, an increase to your resources. Do you need an increase to your resources today? Then you honor God this way. He says, he will provide an increase to your resources and then produce a great harvest. That's my prayer for you today, is that you would stop looking at your problem and start looking at your provider and recognize that he's given you everything you need to take your next step. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for your provision. I thank you for how faithful you've been to each one of us. Lord, I know that there are some on the other end of my voice, wherever they sit today, in a cafe or at their home or wherever it is, God, and they are struggling with their situation. They're even struggling to believe that God is the provider. They're struggling to believe that God is going to come through. And perhaps you've been a believer for a long time, and that's where you are if you're really honest. And I just want to say thank you for being honest. But I want to pray for you. 
God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would break off any form of depression, any form of identity issue, any form of uh, a lack of thinking around something. Father, I pray against any anxiety or fear or worry or anger. God, I pray against these things. I pray that they'd be cast off of whoever's listening to me today. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name they'd be set free. And they begin to, to see again, see clearly again that you've given them so much to be utilized for your glory. Allow their faith to rise in Jesus' name, Father. Allow their faith to rise in Jesus' name. Just say that to the Lord. Say, Lord, let my faith rise up in Jesus' name. Let it, let it well up inside me, God. Let it well up inside me today, Lord. I need it today. I do want to talk to a different group of people for a moment. You know, in the passages of scriptures I, I read today, there was that the moment where it talks about how God has bought me. And I don't know if you know that. I don't know if you've experienced that in your life. See, Jesus Christ came into this world to die a brutal death, to pay the price to pay the price. And so when I say bought me, that's what I mean. That he died this death so that I might find forgiveness, so that I might be free from sin, so that I might be restored and renewed back to the Father that loves me. And I don't know if that's your story, but I'd love to be able to pray for you today. If you'd like to take a step of faith towards him because he loves you, You'll never regret that decision. And so right now where you are, if you're watching online, if, if this is something you want, why don't you go ahead and click the button that raises your hand that says, you know what, I want to do that. I, I, I need that in my life because I want to pray for you in just a moment. If you're on YouTube or wherever you are, just, just write a comment. We've got people out there that are hosting and just want to just help you on this journey. If you need prayer, they're, they're there as well. But I want to pray for you specifically. And so if this is you, just pray this prayer. Just repeat it after me. And all you got to do is mean it. It's not even about the words so much. It's just about your heart. Do you mean it? Just say, Lord, I need you. I recognize my sin. I recognize my separation from you. Would you save me? Would you be my Lord? I surrender to you today. Will you change me from the inside out? Will you give me direction, purpose, meaning, and wisdom so that I might serve you best with my life? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, well, we want to celebrate with you. We are so proud of you for making that decision.